Hey folks, episode number 36. Uh, I got a shout out actually to one of our listeners. Uh, our man at Twitter, Pete Forgets, who tweeted me two athletes who have the number 36 so I wouldn't have to look it up for this week. I like how this is the thing now, just every week we have to pick athlete numbers for that week. Yeah, this athlete the numbers. This is the yeah. thing we do. So he sent me two of them. So shout out to uh, Pete Forgets on Twitter, my man, David Cohn, former New York Yankees great, uh-huh. and uh, current Utica Comet, Wacy Hamilton, uh, who I'm just taking his word on it because I don't know anything. Um, Well, that was it, folks. Don't get excited for sports because that's all the sports talk we got. We have a very special guest this week, Talk of the Towns, Beth Coombs, and she is awesome. So why don't we just get right into the show, yes? Yes. podcast i listen to we have a little bit of a lady power hour action going on this week all, we got, the, all the girls are here this i know week. we, we got have, aaron is here aaron's here which is shocking and of course our good friend of the podcast kate riley is here hi kate hello uh and you're here to talk about the very special iheart utica day but before we get into that you were actually on beth's show our guest this week beth Coombs. you were on her show last week yes that's right i went on friday on talk of the town they had me in um also to talk about the utica day festivities and i uh, she's one of those people I'm like a Twitter friend with, you know, but it was yeah. the first time meeting her in real life and she was awesome. I had, I gotta be honest, it was the first time I'd met her. I had no idea what to expect because I had only listened to the show like when you guys are on and I'm working during the day so I don't get to hear it all the time. She is very professional and very charming and she's, she could have, she could have went on for like 40 minutes had I not told us that we gotta, we gotta, we gotta cut <laughs> it up. Uh, Kate, before we get into too far, you watched the Oscars as well last night. We're going to get into the Oscars pretty deep in a couple minutes, but what did you think? What was your takeaway from the Oscars last night? I literally waited like three hours just to see if Leo made it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's got to be... way past your bedtime. It was, I was getting so cranky. I was like angry tweeting. Like, I, I saw you on Twitter, bed. like just cranky. I mean, I... <laughs> Like, I only see you once or twice a year, that cranky. That was one of them. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere along the way, there's got to be a Nielsen's rating that shows, like, how many people turn the show off immediately once DiCaprio got it. Like, that's it. Yeah. He got it. Boom. Turned it off and went to bed. I bet you at least, like, 800,000 people went to bed immediately afterwards. That's my hot take. I watched the Oscars under protest yesterday. You and I did it, and it was all right. We made it through, and I survived. Well, save there's your takes. There's a couple moments I I'll liked, save my but, takes. Yeah. Save your takes. We're going to get... I was happy for Enya. I'll say that as well. But I was happy for him. Uh, but Kate, let's get to the big. Sure. The bi- let's get to the big point here. You have done a lot of work for this iHeart Utica Day going on at Mohawk Valley Community College this Thursday, March third. Yeah. Um, first off, how did this? Where did this idea come from? Is this all you? No, actually, um, MV came to us. MVCC came to us with the idea. They had um, wanted to do something for their students. They're really invested in showing their students um, what Utica has to offer. So they had this idea, and they kind of came to me and was like, here's what we're thinking. We already have a band that um, wants to play. I guess the the band Simple Props Mm -hmm. had reached out to MV about playing. And then they go, it'd be really nice if we could showcase some food and vendors and maybe have some speakers. So uh, she kind of came to us with the idea. And, you know, MV, I guess they host like 125 events a semester or a year or something like that. Mm -hmm. So she came to us knowing that Made in Utica would be a good resource for pulling all this together. So 
um, we got to work and just started, you know, talking to businesses and craft people and working on the panelists and it's really coming together wonderfully. Yeah, it's it seems like it's snowballed. I remember when the idea was first coming around. It's like, yeah, you know, it's gonna be this thing and maybe we'll add this and then like every day and every week there's new stuff adding and now I mean this is building up to be a pretty pretty huge endeavor. Yeah, they uh they had it in the snack bar area because they were actually concerned that if we did it in the you know the big Jorgensen venue that it would be yeah. empty. And now we're like, shoot, like we're turning away businesses just simply because we cannot fit them so, in there. Good problem to have. Though. Yeah. So hopefully, um, you know, after the event next year, we can continue with it and uh, put it in a bigger venue. But it's been phenomenal. I'm somewhat biased. I did spend some time working at MV recently, and I did go to college there. But I always think to myself, I used to sit around the campus a lot, and you look at the events calendar, like, wow, they have a lot of good stuff that I wonder how many people actually take advantage sometimes mm-hmm. of all the things they actually do offer students. So I'm glad to be a part of this. I'm really honored, honestly, to be a part of the panel discussion. Yeah. I saw uh, you in the newspaper like a celebrity. Yeah. They called you Uticast Runner. Yeah, Runner of the Podcast. Runner of the Podcast, Uticast. Look, I'm very happy that I was even mentioned at all. But the term is showrunner. Now, granted... <laughs> to be fair, I did say that. I know. And they, <laughs> they cut that part out. Katie I, I, Katie, I wish you could have been here when I told him. Because I was on my phone and I'm reading the article. Mm. I'm like, oh, Sam, looks like you got a, you got some burn in the OD today. And he's saying, really? Wait, what would they say? Then when I told him, he's like, showrunner! <laughs> now, granted, I, I, this is my own fault because there's no real term for a podcast host. So I just co-opted the term showrunner because I like it. So it is something that I've sort of called myself i guess but i'm but if i tell you that that's a huge i'm putting yeah. it on my business card when it comes in the mail never yeah showrunner um so we have four uh guests who are in the panel discussion yep so the panel um is which is kind of the highlight of the night will end the night um four guests who we asked because they represent different parts of life in Utica. So we have um, Ryan Miller, who everyone loves from the Thank You Vader, to kind of talk about entrepreneurial efforts and some of the different things that Ryan's been involved with in his time. Um, Then we have Emily Leo, who's from the Oneida Square Project, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. which is an awesome thing that's sort of new and working to revitalize neighborhoods and working with um, different people around that area Mm and incorporating art into the neighborhood. So that'll be neat. Chris Sunderland from the Midtown Utica Community Center, who's mm-hmm. um, who's doing this awesome thing where he's getting different um, refugee, a lot of youth actually, like mm-hmm. high school students, but refugee and different diversity and cultures together, awesome. like right in Utica, to have a place that they can go to and kind of show off, um, you know, their culture. And then Lynn Michelini, who is um, who founded Utica Monday Nights, many many years ago but is still really instrumental oh, yeah. in the arts and music scene in Utica. So that that's going to be awesome. Yeah, you, you did a great job really pulling together panels. I'm very excited about it. Um, I'm going to do my best to stay out of their way and let them tell all their excellent, amazing stories and mm-hmm. all the uh, success they've had. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and that's the closer, right? The simple props yep. is beforehand. And then what, actually what a lot of people are excited about from 6 to 8 is the vendor fair. Yes. So, um, Today, I kind of was going through the list, and we actually have 30 different vendors, everything from, we have a couple of food trucks that are going to be outside, a lot of um, food and beverages. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a dry event, but um, we're going to have different samples from all kinds of, you know, staples, yeah. staple businesses. We have some organizations who are going to be talking about, 
you know, what, what they do in the city. And then a lot of like crafters, um, the topping tree, a lot of the, a lot of people who have actually been on the show, but also some new and different people that you probably wouldn't expect to see so well that's a big point i think too is to really try and expand like we have a lot of people who we reference all the time on the show but there's a lot more going on than just even the stuff we know about there's yeah. tons and tons going on in this city you just have to open your eyes and look sometimes and i'm very excited and i gotta ask you this too before we let you go you've been going around everywhere with your i heart utica whiteboard and you've mm-hmm. been making people write down all the things they love about utica, sure putting people on the spot telling them to write down stuff that's not food because everyone put food. everyone writes food <laughs> But Kate Riley, local Utica superstar, what do you love about Utica? What I love about Utica... The food. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, this, I hope this doesn't come off as sounding negative because it's not, but I, it, it hasn't let me down. And hmm. what I mean by that is that when I came back here from college, everyone was kind of like, all my friends from SU are kind of like, oh, you're going back to like your little hometown. And like hmm. I came here and like... A lot of my friends <clears throat> were hightailing it to New York City. What do you mean? What do you mean? I do remember that, Katie. I remember when almost all of our friends that were here hightailed it to New York City because they couldn't hack it. And I stayed here, so. <laughs> and I'm so glad I did. It's given me tons of opportunities to grow myself as a person, professionally, um, socially, and mm-hmm. in the community. And it, my decision to stay here has not let me down. So. Well, Kate, people say it all the time. They've been saying it a lot more lately. The city is lucky to have you. You can follow Utica Socialite Kate Riley on Twitter at Rady Kiley, one of my favorite Twitter handles. And can I interject just a couple more details? Say what you want to say, everything. Just a couple more details. Go to um, madeinutica.com for profiles on all the panelists. Um, all the vendors are listed there. We're going to be live streaming it. Mr. Made in Utica is working on the live st- his live stream efforts to <laughs> put it on the, the internet. Um, well, that's why he's not here this week. He's upstairs working on it right now. It right we, got now. Him, we got him on it. And uh, get your tickets ahead of time. I talked to MV today, and they already have a considerable amount sold, and there is a capacity in the venue. So um, there's a link right on Made in Utica to get tickets. So, Kate Riley, one of a kind. We got to get you out of here before Higgins sees you because then we'll never get any work out never. of her. We got we to sneak you out the back. Thank you for taking the time. We love it. We appreciate it. We'll be back with the rest of the show in just a minute. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. As the weather gets nicer, Aaron Higgins does show up. It is beautiful out, and that's why you're here, I would imagine, right? It's like light out and stuff, too, so it's very odd for me, but I like it better this time of year. It's nice because I don't have to wear my parka. I've been wearing the parka a lot for the last two months. That's true. You've been wearing the parka inside to the point where I thought that somebody stole all your shirts. (laughs) And you were just parka guy. (laughs) I, um, I do think it is a very fashionable, a fashionable park. I don't think it's the worst look. All the That'll time. Be bad luck for you. Um, so, Aaron, uh, even though it is nice out, you're cold for some reason. But... I am freezing, probably because it's sunny, and I was expecting it to be a lot warmer than it actually was. I think my hot take on this is you got hyped up because it was nice out, and you underdressed. Yes, is this what happened? Probably. This is what happened to everybody today? Yes. I suppose. Yeah. Well, uh, Aaron, kudos last night for your phenomenal work, live tweeting the well Oscars. Done. Very thank nice work. You. Oh, thank 
Yeah. Yeah. Did you, uh, and I gotta say, I don't normally care much about the Oscars. I was a little more invested than normal last night because I got caught up. I was exponentially Twitter. more invested last night <laughs> yeah. than I usually am. Uh, I actually, I thought the Oscars was actually pretty entertaining, all things considered, last night. Like, the whole show was, I wasn't super bored at any point in time. I was not at it. It really picked up. The it speed was, of it was great. It was the first time I had watched it in years, and I don't really watch the Oscars, but, like, it was on, everybody was watching it, so I did. Um, you know, it, it moved through, all the stuff happened, whatever. Man, that was a long, long, oh, it's always so long, long show. I started at 5.30 when the red carpet started. You did. Oh. I was in it for like five hours last night. <laughs> you're a maniac. The red carpet, I, I watched the red carpet after. You texted me, you're like, should I cover the red carpet? And I kind of left it up to you. I was like, if you want, there's probably some funny stuff to talk about on there. We watched the red carpet for an hour down here, you and me and and Mr. Made Utica, Justin Parkinson, and it was pretty unwatchable. It was pretty hard it's to watch. so boring. It's a, it's a mess. It's a disaster. Like, it's some of the worst television production you could ever watch. It looks like fun to just be like some drunk actor, like going and hanging out and just boozing oh. up at the Oscars with all your colleagues yeah. and My friends. favorite thing about, like, the red carpet was that in the very beginning, 530 is when the nobodies show up. <laughs> the nobodies. That's, but you know, I'm, you know I'm right. It's the first people in are, like, the nobodies. So... They had to, um, I was watching the E! Entertainment Network coverage of it. Mm-hmm. They were showing, uh, for instance, they had a guy on who had like a voice actor for something in Lord of the Rings, that little thing from Lord of the Rings. Uh, Andy Serkis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Gimel, uh, mm-hmm. yes. He plays uh, the guy. Yes. The little guy. Gold. Yes. Yeah, Gold. Yes, so they had him up and they were like, Gollum, if you like don't remember this, if you don't know this face, hold on a second. And then they had like a credit roll of the things he's done. And the poor guy <laughs> was standing there like, Yep, this is my lot in life. Yeah, like no. I felt bad for him. Because I feel like Andy Serkis don't, kills it. Andy Serkis, he was is, awesome. He was super entertaining. He but. gets to go out there, make movie star money, and then go to the grocery store and not be recognized. Yeah, he's making Lord of the Rings money, Planet of the Apes money, and he doesn't get harassed when he's down at you know wherever he likes to go. That's, it's not a bad that's deal. It's not a bad deal. So I also want to thank uh, our good friend TK who took over the Maiden Utica Twitter account for the Oscars. His last tweets night. were a lot more um, interesting than mine. I wouldn't say interesting. He's a uh, he's, he's he's a filmmaker. So like for somebody like yes. him who really loves and enjoys like the art of movies, like this is something he would have been watching it all by him his lonesome anyway. Let yeah. alone no matter what happens, he's watching it. So his tweets just had a very different flavor. Mine was like, "Can you believe that girl's boobs? That's <laughs> unbelievable." Yours had, your your tweets had many flavors. One of the flavors I noticed was salt. A lot of salt. There's a fair amount of salt flavor in your tweets. I made some, some enemies. salty tweets. I made some enemies. If, I think if, you reinforce some rivalries. I reinforce some rivalries. If, if you your will. live tweet was potato chips, they would be salt and vinegar. They Ooh. were salt and vinegar. I was salt and vinegar last night. Aaron, salt and vinegar. My favorite Higgins. tweet, I have to be honest, my favorite tweet that I, I had last night, and it didn't get as much love, to the point where I did text the both of you yep. and was like, please retweet this, was my Dev Patel Jimmy Martin well, here's why. That joke is funny for 1% of the is, population. Yeah, but that joke was hilarious. <laughs> for the 1% <laughs> of, of the population. Yeah, it was brilliantly about. funny. Uh, all right, let's do a quick recap, though, about some of the big points in the Oscars, because I do have some hot takes. Please. Uh, and let's start with the the big, the big biggest story, obviously. Leonardo DiCaprio won his first Academy Award. Uh, yes. Um, what did you think about the whole build-up to this? It, it seemed to overshadow pretty much everything else that happened for the whole night. There was this weird feeling of tension that people just wanted to know and get it out of the way. You'd think they should have just done it first. <laughs> I think, you know, I think... Leo, you win this year. Okay, now let's go on with the show. you got to keep people till the end for the ratings. Oh, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. 100%. Well, not, no, that has nothing to do with it, though. That's, they, that's always when they announce that award. It was no different this year. It was no... 
that's all things that people can build up in their heads because they're given yeah. so much thought to like, is this the year that DiCaprio uh-huh. gets the award? But they announce it at the same time they announce it every year. Mm. My favorite part was that I was in tears by that point. <laughs> you were. You I were was just, like, you were DiCaprio! And he's up there like, hey guys, recycle. Um, thanks for everything. And he like got off the stage and I was like, really? I wanted a Cuba Gooding moment. He was a little underwhelming actually when he, was, he actually he did the He was wildly speech. underwhelming. I thought, I see, I thought he was, I thought his speech was incredible. Oh, I it thought was, it was an did, amazing speech. I thought he did a great job and he was really humble and understated and he could have went up there and made it about him but he made it about everybody else all the time. He, which is, which Seems is, like a nice it makes guy. him such a decent dude, honestly. But you I just wish he would smile at least once. Uh, he, he was like smiling the whole time. You were just delusional. At I, that cr- point, I was crying I, through see, it. So. It was very blurry. I think it's tough with the I'm sorry. It's tough with the Oscars because like if you're a celebrity in the audience of the Oscars, you have to constantly be aware that at any point in time they might pan to your reactions. You have to always be very like, oh, how am I reacting on camera to this right now? Oh, look oh, how happy. To, to. Look how funny this joke is. You know see, I, mean? I like the people who don't care and you can tell they're not paying attention <laughs> and they're just like out there hanging out. That's the way to be. I think you want to put the camera on me, put the camera on me, but I don't know what you're going to see. It's the Oscars. I thought it was, like you said, I thought it was really entertaining. I thought it was really, um, Chris Rock was funny. I'm yeah. sorry, but I thought he was funny. Chris Rock was great. There's nothing to be sorry. He was he incredible. Was funny. He did a really good job. He was really funny. He was, um, he was witty and smart, and his jokes were poignant, and it made sense. And I thought they were really good. It was not over overwhelming or. Yeah, he had to I tread. He had to tread a very fine line. Yes, I think he there was did. a lot. Of, I think there was he a, did it very well. Yeah, there's a lot of expectation on what he was going to say. There's a couple different ways he could have done it. He could have really took the Academy to task, which would have been amazing to see, like as a live event. But you know, that's not. Like what do you do after that? <laughs> like how do you how do you have the rest of the show after that? So I never really expected him to like go out on a limb and just really say something crazy. I thought he handled it all really well. It was all very it was all very witty, but there was sort of like a a meanness oh, underneath. There was salt to it. <laughs> yeah. Kinda like you. Yeah. yeah. Chris Rock and I would be pals. I uh, really didn't I was underwhelmed by the performances. Except for Gaga's. Lady Gaga's performance was amazing. Sam Smith sounded like a bag of cats and a squeezed (laughs) bag of cats. A skinny, someone give him a sandwich, squeezed bag of cats. I got a question real quick. Sidebar, Sam Smith, um... Oh. You, you can see, somebody mentioned to me when we were watching Sam, it might have been you who were saying, we're like, Sam, that's Sam Smith. I thought he was like a bigger dude. Like, and he, he got real so, thin. Well, because he's got money now. Yes. Yep. He got real thin because now he's got like trainers and this he and that. He needs but, a hey, sandwich. But I'm, my, here's my question, though, is what I was thinking about. Uh, I lost my train of thought and my point. Losing I forgot weight. what I was going to say. Voice? It's gone. Losing yeah. all weight. Do you think that has an effect on his voice? Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Because like, it probably yeah. makes it different to sing, you know what I mean? Like carrying different weight and different body. I can imagine that's got to be... Like, what a strange thing if you're a dude like Sam Smith. You're like, well, I got all this money. I can get a trainer. You know, I can do this. I can do this. I can look the certain way that I want to look. But what if it takes away that thing that... Mm-hmm. Those vocals it? were rough. And not to say that, like, the guy can't sing at all, but he looked, you know, and he was probably shook up. It was his first time. Who knows? Maybe he was hammered. Also, he needs to be aware that he came out there and was like, this is the first Academy Award to an openly gay person. I was like... I did a little fact-checking. Oh, That's did you? not even close to being right. You know what, though? He said right after that, he's like, I might be wrong. It might have happened. I yeah. don't really know well, what goes on. if you're going to make a huge statement like that, if you're going to make a blanket statement like that, you should probably know if it's right or wrong. And it was way wrong. Like, very wrong. 
Like, very, very wrong. Yeah, that's. I think that's why he qualified it, and he, he was sh- like... I, I just think that that was kind of one of those things you just don't say if you don't know the answer to it. I feel like when you get caught off guard and you're out there and mm. you're probably three drinks deep after you already performed, you think your spot for the night is and over. And you weigh you four there, pounds. And you just say something, you're like, yeah, so... Uh, I think you you and me specifically, Aaron, would be putting our, our foot in our mouth pretty bad. Oh, if they put us up there wildly. three drinks deep on TV. I would have been like, so... Uh, I would have been like Sarah Silverman up there last night. I would have been like, uh, so, um, thanks, boobs. Like, I wouldn't know. I would have no clue what to do. Someone had a really interesting tweet last night. I was on the... I was on... I was all over Twitter last night. Somebody was talking about how it's... It's got to be weird to give, like... Especially, like, the documentary Oscar, right? You have a documentary about, like, you know... A, oh, a genocide horrible. or something horrible and then it'll lose to a documentary about Amy, Amy Winehouse. Winehouse and you have to have this like weird moment you're like ah, does it it feels weird to give this award to something that doesn't seem as poignant but that's not what the award that's is the about thing. Right? the award's not about the subject matter like how yeah. much of a boy scout you are yeah. in your documentary making it's about who made the best one right and what I want to tie that into is the Sam Smith Lady Gaga thing if you go if you went just by the performance from last night Got Sam it. Smith's performance and then Gaga's performance with the Joe Biden intro, which was the biggest pop I've ever heard for a politician on live television. Um, Gaga blew every other performance out of the water. I mean, and it was oh it gave you God. the chills. I was cr- I cried again. And then to give that award immediately afterwards to Sam Smith, who you saw perform earlier all scared and cat-like, you're like, hmm, huh, okay. Right. I guess this doesn't, this doesn't count, and then right? You look at the you look at the the you look at the meaning of the songs. Honestly, that whole category had some really beautiful songs that were from films. One was about the erosion of, what, the oceans. One was about something else, I don't remember. But uh, then you, you get, give it to Sam Smith, who wrote like a really mediocre song for a mediocre James Bond film. And you're like, <laughs> oh, all right, that's where we went with it. So, I don't know. I didn't agree with that award. That was probably one of the only awards I really didn't agree with the whole night. Uh, shout out though to another music award, and this one's big for me. I'm a huge fan of Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Uh, a lot of classic mm-hmm. westerns. Yes. And, uh, and Ennio Marconi won an Oscar last night for his soundtrack for The Hateful Eight, which he had won an honorary Oscar beforehand. It was for his all... first one. Yeah, but this is the first. This is his first nomination. This was too? his first. No, he's been no, nominated, he's been nominated like yeah. twenty thousand times. But I want to say something like twenty times. They said last night, but this was his first uh, individual, not honorary, legitimate. Oscar and he was so cute. Yeah, he was. He, he was, was adorable. Sometimes when people win, you can see real emotion in them, and he really felt that award. You didn't see a lot of real emotion last night from <laughs> the award recipients. <laughs> well, because half the award recipients were people from the Mad Max cast who were just like regular Joes wearing leather jackets with sequins in the back. There was a period of time where I think Mad Max won like seven awards in, in a row. row. <laughs> it's crazy. The Mad Max Power Hour. You know who was killing it? And as we learned last week on the show, I saw very few of these movies they were trying to award last night. So I'm not really sure where this kid is from, except the movie Room. But that little Jacob kid was Tremblay. killing it. Yes, that kid was killing it He out said, there. thanks, Chris. I really liked you as the zebra in Madagascar. <laughs> that was what he said to Chris Rock last night. <laughs> it was his... Did you... I tweeted at yeah. one point in time a picture and Chris of his didn't dad. Hear it. Yo, he didn't hear it. He I didn't tweeted hear a picture of Tremblay's, the Tremblay family arriving, because the kid's like nine. I and saw this. it was his mother and his father. And I was like, listen, I would take your dad on a date. Because his dad's like 33 or 34. It's going to be a sad thing in 10 years when he's all banged up and addicted to drugs. And oh, without a doubt. He was adorable. He, he was on the red carpet. I don't know if you guys saw this. On the red carpet, he got out there and they said, Ryan Seacrest was asking him questions. And he said, you know, what is, what is it like? What is your view like out here on the red carpet? What is it like for you? And he goes, I see a lot of legs. 
Because yeah. <laughs> he's like, um, he's a tiny, tiny little thing. He's cute as a button, though. He's a superstar. But I'll tell you what, uh, he's in the movie room. I didn't see movie room. I read the book room. Um, I wasn't, I was not whelmed uh, in any way. I was greatly underwhelmed by the book. I thought Brie Larson might be the big winner of the entire event last night. She came out looking like a superstar. She was very after pretty. Last night. Yeah. A couple things. One, we have the same cell phone case. I heard that. I saw. You and who? Brie Larson. Larson. We both oh. had that Native Union wood cell phone case. And I saw it, and my heart skipped numerous beats. Don't, don't say Native Union. We can't be saying brands unless they're giving us money from now on. We're not That's saying brands yeah, yeah, yeah. on the show. Sorry. <laughs> Native um, Union, send a check. Indigenous Association wooden cell phone case. There you um, go. So we both had that same case. Association. Yeah. We both have that same cell phone case, which means yeah, we're obviously engaged, guys. Mm-hmm. And then after the Gaga performance, I saw this on the internet. As all the the female uh, the victims of the abuse had come down off the oh. stage, Brie Larson stopped them all to hug them all individually in the front row, and oh. I was like, "Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty. It's pretty cool. Unbelievable." Uh, and then she won. So Brie Larson, big winner. She, and she was so she's very sweet. Yeah. She got up there and she was so sweet and so thankful, and I really liked her. I thought she was one of my favorite people last night to watch Soup to Nuts. I mean. In the audience, she was clapping and, and everything else, and she was just so happy to be there, mm-hmm. honestly. And if you look at the people she was up against in that category, you were like, how, how are you going to win this? Kate Blanchett was in it for... Um, mm, she's so good. Oh, <laughs> she's, she's a superstar. That dress, though. That dress, though, was not great. The top half was beautiful. The bottom half, uh, if you saw last night, I said it looked like a cheap asexual baby shower threw up all over her. <laughs> Um, I thought, yeah, I thought she was very good. I thought she handled herself really well. I think th- I thought there was an opportunity for her to do an Anne Hathaway, like go up on stage and oh. maybe say something that wasn't be an ass. Because she's super involved in a lot of like outside. I of, feel like everybody did that. Yeah. Everybody who went up had yeah. like some project that they some were project. But she I like the fact that the director of the Revenant, uh, in your in though, Inuritu, yeah. he talked right. They were playing him off, and he kept talking. <laughs> and, and then they, they stopped. Just turned off the music. They were like, "Now it's a script. Power move. That is Total a power, power move. move. They um, won for cinematography for that, right? Last night. Yes. Uh, which I thought was great. Yeah, hands down the best cinematographer in the world, the three in a row, just like champion. Yes. I do think uh, Tom Hardy got robbed in supporting actor. Who wants well, to actor? Let's talk about that uh, for the a second. Guy from oh, Bridges. the guy. Did yeah, you see Mark Bridges Rylance. Spies, though? No. Mark Rylance. Okay, I saw Bridges Spies. I actually saw that movie. It was amazing. He was un- hmm. He was unbelievable in that movie. I got two words. Tom Hardy. I understand <laughs> that. But uh, like I said before, he was just Bane again. I bought into the narrative that this was Sly Stallone's category oh, to lose. I did too. So, nope. I, so I put out a tweet last night that said, uh, Sly or we riot... Or Tom Hardy. Um, yeah. And I would have accepted Ruffalo simply on the fact that he had the greatest single moment of the night when they panned to him and he winked the at the camera. Oh, it was so oh, damper. Oh, my God, so good. good. Um, it was so cute. So when Mark Rylance won, I said, okay, who's Mark Rylance? He was like, amazing, true. though. But Honestly, I, he was so good. I did do some research on Rylance. Apparently, he's won, like, 38 Tony Awards, though. He's, yes. like, a, a yes. super legitimate a Broadway actor. actor. yeah. So now I don't feel so much like this is like who's this guy like oh he's just somebody who's super talented that I was unaware of because I don't I only know movie stars like people on like Mark Avengers. Ruffalo the winger yeah. I know the Incredible Hulk and the guy who plays Deadpool yay yay um, if you had to pick somebody to hang out with last night from uh, from the event who would you have hung out with uh, it looked to me like Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling were having a lot of That's fun the together they were adorable and those guys were having a blast they seemed like they were partying did you see them backstage before they went on with Michael Strahan. Uh, no. Yeah. They were standing backstage, yeah. and, oh, yeah, and he had like a he, uh, what's his face? Uh, not Russell Crowe, the first. Uh, 
What's his R- name? Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. I had a moment. I knew it, but I was just gonna let her float. I had a moment <laughs> to see how long it took. I had a moment there. Uh, he had his like backstage pass on, which by the way is like this gigantic looking press <laughs> yeah, badge. Yeah, it was thing. pretty funny. And he was like, "You guys are supposed to be here," and he would like hold it up. And it was uh, really witty and cute and charming. Some actors are just professionally trained actors, and some p- actors are people who are naturally charismatic. I think Gosling is just kind of naturally funny and charismatic. Oh, so, it seems he like was he's always. So cute would you feel night. like for somebody you know with with a lot of these you know anybody who's an actor and spends so much time in the public eye and talking to people, but especially a dude like that, he was like a, a child star too, yeah. right? Like he was on like children's Mickey shows. Mickey Mouse with Justin mm-hmm. Timberlake. Mickey Mouse, yeah, when he was a little kid. So somebody like that, their whole life they've been sort of like schmoozing and talking and like they're just very comfortable with you know sort of mouthing off and talking and everything you can tell that comfort shows in these people who've been doing it forever like we were talking about a few different people who've been in hollywood for a long time or watching like that's a professional oh yeah that person doesn't look shook they're up there look like they're like at home i think, I that's think what it is. Uh, tina fey and steve carell were on like hands down the best presenters of the night uh they were very funny i thought they were she very was good. hysterical do you have did you think it was weird though? Like they're pushing like a TV show. I thought it was funny that they're like oh, of course to push they were. their TV show. Of course they were. Everybody comes out pushing. But stuff. she she was so cute, and he he said these really things, and she said like a bear's house, yeah. or like that <laughs> place where a bear lives. She was adorable. Did you guys have any qualms about Spotlight winning Best Picture? Never seen it. Never seen it. Never saw it. That being it said, it does have. I everybody all long time listen to the show know that I've been in a long term relationship with Rachel McAdams for mm-hmm. forever. You know, we've been very happy together for a long time. So long it's time. nice to see my girl out there doing well. But other she than looked that, great last night. I didn't love the dress cut. She's great but everywhere she looked she goes. great. But she it, looked pretty. It seemed to me once uh, Inaratu won Best Director, and yep. once the other guy won Cinematographer, and Leo won Actor. It seemed very clear that Revenant was not going to win Best Movie. They yeah. already which gotten, was fine because yeah. honestly, it wasn't a good. It wasn't like the best movie. Yeah, I think that's fair. Actually, in hindsight, like I would have, yeah. I would have kind of argued that The Revenant was a weak Oscar win if it had won the Best Picture. And and not for I agree, one hundred percent. Not to like get on the horse about it too much, especially because I haven't seen the movie. But I, if this furthers the conversation about sexual abuse that's been covered up by the Catholic mm-hmm. Church. Like, I'm somebody who was sure. raised Catholic for a very long time. Amen. And, like, as somebody who was very grossed out by that stuff when it came, and the more and more you mm-hmm. learn about it, the more and more you realize how horrible and institutionally evil it was. Yeah. If we can talk about this some more, and it brings more prominence and more open conversation about that, that's enough to give them the trophy or whatever yeah. anyways. 100%. And it's probably the most it's been brought up since it happened, right? It was a big deal, and then yeah. people talk about that anymore? No. I don't, I don't think so. I think that everything that was supposed to happen award-wise last night really did. I don't think there was one outside of Sly not winning, uh, which everybody was <laughs> wicked salty about. <laughs> In hindsight... He probably really? shouldn't know he, what. No, it's He's last look. I saw that man. movie. I kept going through these things going, wow, I actually saw that movie this year. Yeah. He was, I mean, that was an awful film. Where was his Oscar for the classic film uh, Cliffhanger? I don't know. I quit the show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Guys, uh, so before you quit, let me introduce this week's uh, interview. Who was... Very charming. It's a good thing we got a radio person on the show for the interview this week because you need my replacement. Now. I know. Yes, she's yes. a proper, proper radio host. She is the news director and co-host of Talk of the Town on WUTQ. You can follow them at WUTQFM on Twitter, or you could follow her on her new... Uh, she's doing a lot of mom blog stuff about her being a parent at her Twitter at The Realist Mom. Beth Coombs, she's great. So I have to tell you guys, I have such a girl crush on her. Uh, she's awesome. It's not even funny. And I tell her that all the time. I love... Her Twitter. I follow her religiously. I think she is super funny, super smart, just such an awesome person all yeah. the way around. Now nah, we had a really, really nice conversation. You know that, uh, guys. I don't know if you knew this. Do you know she's from Brooklyn? Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
We're talking about New York. Get your shot glasses ready. Interview time. time people hear this conversation it'll actually be a couple days ago but I saw you were tweeting last night from the I Love the 90s concert at the Stanley Theater. It was great. (laughs) Did you have a nice time? I had a fantastic time. We actually had Apache Chief who uh, performed last night on the show last Mm -hmm. week and he's a longtime friend of mine and I was was pretty happy for him to be out there with a lot of these 90s celebrities. It was amazing. <laughs> it was it was like watching my childhood on a stage. Honest to God, when when Salt from Salt and Peppa walked out, <laughs> I literally grabbed the people on either side of me and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, Salt, oh my God. She looks exactly the same. It's 30 years out. That's why I was tweeting this morning. Yeah. It was it's 30 years out. I was 15. She has not aged at all. <laughs> I think uh, our good friend of the show and sometimes co-host Justin Parkinson tried to reach out to her to come to the dev afterwards mm-hmm. to do like an after party. Uh, I don't believe the price was right, but uh, I was. <laughs> I think that was the issue. But yeah, I I was actually the most excited about Coolio because as a kid, I'm I just turned thirty, so mm-hmm. um, my first like. I was a little white kid, so I, I liked Gangster's Paradise was the one of yep. the first rap songs. I was like, yeah, yeah. I know this one from that, that. that Michelle Pfeiffer movie. I'm <laughs> familiar with that. And then there was the Weird Al Yankovic version that was the Amish Paradise, which I guess is cultural appropriation. Now you can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't do that anymore, no. Uh, you can't do most of Weird Al Yankovic no, songs anymore. No, He's still around, though. He sure is. Uh, Beth Coombs, I didn't introduce you initially. I had to train myself to say Coombs and not Combs. I have to train myself to say Coombs because it's only been my name for a little while. Uh, you are the uh, currently the news director and the co-host of Talk of the Town on uh, WTQ FM. Yep, that's kind of um, crazy, but yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, is that how you feel about it? Yeah, a little bit. It's surreal, but it's, it's a great time. Uh, well, I want to get into that, but I'd like to first talk about something that you just... Mentioned to me off the air that you are a Brooklyn, a Brooklyn baby. I am Brooklyn girl, <laughs> Brooklyn in the house. So let me let me start there because as uh, our listeners know, mm-hmm. uh, I spent some time in New York City. Take a shot. Um, so let me let me ask you: When did you leave Brooklyn? Or so how long did you spend in Brooklyn? I spent most of my childhood in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived in Sunset Park, and then we lived okay. in Bensonhurst in Bay Ridge, mm-hmm. and uh, then we moved to Staten Island, which is like <laughs> the lesser Brooklyn, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, you know, the home of Snooky. Um, <laughs> I lived good. there. Yeah, I lived uh, there until. Well, I, I like how you can channel that very easily. Like, I can bring I'm not it channeling. It's in there. I'm not channeling. <laughs> I'm just letting it out. Um, and then I moved. I we I lived there. Uh, we moved to Staten Island when I was in my freshman year of high school, awesome. and I lived there until I went to college in Rhode Island. Okay, so you at college in Rhode Island? Did you go to University of? Uh... I went to Providence College hmm. in Providence. Providence. Yeah. All right. My dad liked it because they were all single sex dorms. Is that the Rams Providence? Not that... even close. It's no. the Friars. The Friars. Who am I thinking? Rhode Island is the. Maybe you are. I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't know. I'm wrong. I'm the worst. <laughs> Providence Friars. Yeah, Providence Friars. All we have is a, a basketball team. There's like no football team. <laughs> I, I don't even remember if there was a baseball team. They just had a big well, you, Did you have a major in like weird communications or, or anything in the No, lab? it was oh. the most obscure thing ever. I was an <laughs> economics major. All right. It's useful though. Oh yeah, it's totally <laughs> useful. 
It's totally useful, not at all useful, and not even a little bit. Um, the, the funny thing about economics, if you're an economics major, is basically every single time you do anything in economics, they give you a set of circumstances that don't exist in real life. So they'll say all other things being equal and pretending this is a perfect system. Sure. So really at that level, it's it's not really that mm. useful, except that if there are fewer Cabbage Patch kids, they're going to cost more. Were you interested at all, though, in, in any sort of journalism or, or radio work? Or um, I was involved in the theater there. Awesome. I was, and I was really interested in, I'm like random, like really interested in science. I love science. Nice. I'm a nerd when it comes to that. Were you, uh, I only asked because I was a musical theater guy. Were you musical theater or were you more dramatic? Uh, I really was more um, the control freak. So I was like a <laughs> stage manager and actually my um, job, my work study job was in the scene uh, design. So mm-hmm. I worked with like the power tools and built stuff. Yeah. So I was uh, I was perusing your Twitter as I mentioned a little bit. Stalker. I know, total total creeper. It's <laughs> a little internet. creepy, but okay. That's, we're very Twitter friendly on this show. We do a lot of our. Yeah. We're very pro Twitter. Well, it's um, interesting because locally, there when Twitter first came out, I was on it like immediately, yeah. and there was nobody to talk to locally. Oh yeah. I think. Um, Zach Wesselowski. I always pronounce oh, uh, his name. Wesselowski. Wesselowski. Yeah, Zach Wesselowski. See, because you know how to pronounce Polish. He was one of the first people on there, and we would like tweet back and forth and be like, oh, "Hi, yeah. hi, how are you? Great, anything? You know?" And that was uh, it. I had a tough crew of friends early on who were very. I was early on the Twitter thing. Uh, I have this very strange Twitter handle. Uh, SF Doom is my personal Twitter handle. Yes, we I have, know. Yeah. I follow you, but you don't follow me back. But whatever. I'm not. I I'm not I usually wait until I've met the person. Yeah. And also, whatever. you have to remember in Twitter politics, <laughs> it's important to have more followers than people you follow. So a lot well, of times, I'm just but saying, I have more followers than people that follow me. But I was kind enough to I'm follow sorry, you. I'll, whatever. No, it's okay. I'm not gonna hold this against you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I gotta tell you, uh, Twitter though for me, I think what scares people away from Twitter sometimes, especially new people on Twitter, is Twitter mm-hmm. can be very overwhelming. It wasn't. It took me like a year to understand how to properly use Twitter to its full potential. I have lists for news, for sports, for people I know, people I don't know, and it makes mm-hmm. it a lot easier to be like, all right, if I have business to do, I can go to this and look for information. But if I just want to goof around and yell at good friend of the podcast, Kate Riley, I can do that as well too. Mm-hmm. Um, so. One of the things, though, I get back to Twitter, because one of the things I noticed, you have a great slogan on your Twitter uh, profile. It says, big hair, big hearts, big thoughts. I can't believe you haven't co-opted this into merchandise yet. Have you, <laughs> have, you, <laughs> have you thought about this? I haven't even remotely considered that, but <laughs> probably of all three of those things, my hair is the most distinctive. It's up in a ponytail. I was going to say. Um, <laughs> it's usually humongous. I have really curly hair, and my hair is big. And um, nine times out of ten, if I... If I meet somebody casually and they don't really know me, if I meet them a second time and my hair is up, they have no, they don't know who I am. Uh, I have to prerequisite. I have two older sisters. I'm the youngest of three. My mm-hmm. two sisters are, got to be right in your your wheelhouse in terms of, you know, you as a person. You probably had the same cultural stuff. My sister was a huge, Skid Row, Guns N' Roses fan. She had the Aquanet hair that was so big it looked like a lion's mane. There are photos in my mom's house of this for like prom photos. It is. It's immaculate. I wish that there was... So I'm not, I'm not afraid I of big did. hair. I'll, there's a picture <laughs> on my Facebook page of... Um, well, two things. My junior prom, which was in 1988. I, I'm wearing, a, for people my age, they'll know, a Jessica McClintock dress. I look oh, essentially yes. like the Tooth Fairy. It's this big, <laughs> white, fluffy thing with these little half glove... I can't even glove things that come on. But yeah, my hair is huge. And I did use Aquanet. Sometimes you use Rave, the mm. pump spray. But the secret is, is that you lift your hair up and then you blow it dry <laughs> while it's still wet because that kind of glues it into place. And then my senior prom, I have a banana clip 
So it like cascades down the side. It's really awesome. A lot of my big fashion faux pas were very era specific. So I had the, <laughs> I had the frosted tips for a while. Oh my god! Oh, Did yeah. you really? That was in the era in the early two thousands when like in sync was popular and it was very cool to have like a stylish. It's bad now. Like that's there's there exists photos of the era where I had frosted tips, braces, glasses that weren't like moderately hip. <laughs> And also Hawaiian t-shirts for some reason. I thought that was cool when I was like 16. <laughs> it's really, it's the worst period of me for going back. I, I pretended, I wiped it off the map in terms of anyone See, seeing now, it. I, I, I was in puberty in 19, <laughs> like the 80s, and then I had the 90s to live through. So I, whatever whatever phase at 30 that you went through, unless you had to live through the 80s in puberty, I don't even want to hear nah, the story. I was 86, so that's, uh, I only saw the tail end of the 80s. Oh Batman my was my first 80s experience. That's yeah. like 89. I went through a... a, a Robert Smith of the Cure. Oh, yeah. I used to pull my hair down like in front of my eyes. So, like, I had like one eye, and I'd only wear like black turtlenecks with like the, you know the sleeves pulled down. But... Was this during the Providence era when you were a Providence? No, that was like... in high school. <laughs> that was in high school. I had a lot of friends back then. What was your not... subculture in at Providence? Were you like a were you a preppy kid? Were you? Um, God, you know, it was kind of different for me at Providence because everybody there, not everybody, but a lot of the kids there are from New England. Sure. They are extremely preppy. Yeah. Um, and they were all very wealthy, which I was not. And one of the biggest like, cultural shocks for me is um, it's single-sex dorms. So yep. the very first, you get there, obviously, before class starts. We sat in the hallway, and everybody puts in one shoe, and then you have to grab someone else's mm-hmm. shoe, and then you go sit next to them, and you introduce that person really? to the group. Yeah, so huh. it's like a way of everybody meeting each other. <laughs> so everybody's, you know, everybody's really adorable, and they're like, well, this lovely girl is this, and I'm like, so I was, I go over there, and I'm like, she was really nice, and they're all looking at me like I'm totally crazy. I'm like, ooh, rein in the accent, girl, rein it in. Well, let me ask you this: like, you're doing economic stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, you're still rocking the hard accent. Did you know at at that time what you wanted to do? Did you have an idea what your career trajectory was? Uh, I had no clue what no I wanted clue. to do, and actually, I only picked economics because um, my college advisor in high school was really into economics. He used to mm. cut out. There used to be an economics article, like a it was like a feature every yeah. week in the New York Times, and he used to rip it out for me and make me read it, and mm. we would discuss it. Um, it's not that I really had, you know, God, I want to be an economist when yeah. I grow up. Um, I really, I really, in, at that time, was kind of thinking, well, maybe I'll go into medicine or something sure. like that. And I did when I graduated, worked for a couple of doctors, and I took the MCATs, and then mm-hmm. I moved here, and I was a drug rep. Um, Is that what brought you here initially? No, Working the medical stuff? Or? No. no. <laughs> it was a boy. Boys? Oh no! It We're was trouble. a guy. <laughs> Ironically, apparently, I can't stay away from men in media because he was the We're sportscaster oh. on WKTV. He oh. was my co- like my best friends in college. <laughs> Her brother. We met at graduation, and we started dating, and then we were living together up here. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) It was great. I love it up here. But I was working, and he moved to Buffalo, and I was still here as a drummer. Do you know when you were, what year that was probably when you first got here? It was either really early 94 or very late in 1993. So so you've been here probably when it went on, it was probably going a little bit on the downside. Uh, It was probably, when I left left here in, I gotta say 2008 probably, and I... Kind of couldn't wait to leave at the time. I had personal reasons, but mm-hmm. I think at the time there was still... That was a really heavy time for it to be negative about the area locally. And I don't remember when that started. Maybe you'd have a better yeah. idea. Well, you know, like... I can't say that I really had a good sense of that because yeah. I was working for um, a, like a national corporation, sure. 
who and it's not as subjective to like the local mm-hmm. economy you know and i was i was young i had no kids yeah. I had no pets you know we just <laughs> lived in an apartment it was great um no mortgage so <laughs> yeah, that must have been nice. yeah i'm more cognizant i think now you know since the recession and i've owned businesses here and you know obviously i have a mortgage and um so it's very, I was more aware of kind of the, the steep downturn mm-hmm. in like 08, 09, the very recent one, because to me, because I moved here so young, I was just sure. out of college in 93, I didn't even have a sense of big picture, you know, economic yeah. conditions of a, of mm-hmm. a neighborhood. Um, and granted, and be, coming from the city, that's always been, you know, yeah. booming sure. economically. So. Um, you know, I... Do you feel like coming from from New York in that uh, in the urban region? Do you think it affected you in the way you you act with other people? I I only spent seven years there, but I know take another shot, guys. Um, I've only spent seven <laughs> years there, uh, but I do feel like it did have an effect on how I act and my. Uh, it did make me a little bit more. I don't want to say bitter. Bitter is not the right word, but. I have more of a protective wall up now because of my time there than I did before I left. I didn't ever feel so. I don't know how to describe no, it. No, I'm picking There's... up what you're putting down. I hear what you're saying, and I, and I've I see that. I yeah. think from people that I know that come that have that lived in New York and came mm-hmm. back. But I have to say that growing up in Brooklyn, um, as much as people sometimes I hear people from outside of the city or out you know outside of New York, sure. think that oh my God you you know you lived in Manhattan you lived in Brooklyn it was must have been crazy were you scared <laughs> it was it was like growing up in any neighborhood yeah, except yeah. the houses were really close together. So now the concern from you with New York, I'll get off New York on this in mm-hmm. a minute, but my concern now with New York is we're, it's reaching a tipping point where you can either be very wealthy or very poor and there's really not much of a middle ground anymore. We got lucky for a couple of years in a nice mm-hmm. situation, but even that and drying up for, you know, outside circumstances, landlord stuff. But I, I really do think it's going to get to a point now where it's just going to be haves and have-nots, and there's no in the middle anymore. And that's what concerns me about New York going forward. Well, and I think part of that is because the haves, the level, it's not so much that the bottom has been moving away from the top, it's that the top has been moving oh, yeah. away from the bottom. The My brother is, is yeah. um, a firefighter oh, yeah. in New York. He lives in Staten Island. Oh, wow. Salud. Yeah, he's, mm. a, he's my hero. Um and it, it is really tough. I mean, he works a full-time job, and then he works a part-time job sure. on the side to make end meet, ends meet, and that mm. seems insane to me. Mm. Yeah. I love romantic jobs like firefighter and stuff like that, where it really <laughs> has like a lot of like. He totally to would not <laughs> think it was romantic. He loves it, but uh-huh. he wouldn't describe it as romantic. Uh, so let's actually, I want to ask you a little bit about this. So uh, you're working for, you know, you're doing Talk of the Town right now, but did you start radio before this? Was this your first radio gig? Did you do any? No, actually, so um, it is. It, this is a, a really long story, which I'll try and make shorter. <laughs> so um, I I was I was married. I got divorced, and I was dating Dave, who mm. is the co-host yes. on uh, Talk of the yeah. Town. And um, he was working at the time for a different radio station, and we were mm. supposed to get married in February. And he got fired like nine oh, wow. days before our wedding. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> Good it was, honeymoon. You know, yeah. yeah, it's like yes, we were moving. <laughs> I was closing a business. It was like all those things uh. they tell you not to do in a year. We did. <laughs> Um, we're like, now what the hell? So we ended up going on um, our a honeymoon, which we didn't realize we'd have the free time to do. <laughs> but we did. Um, and we were laying on the beach in Mexico, and there was free Wi-Fi score. And nice. we're looking on this website that specializes. It's just like radio types yeah. of jobs. Right. So it's like February of last year. And I'm like, God, there's a, just a job. And I'm like, God, this sounds... I swear I know these call letters. Like, WUT, what? So at the time, I knew both of the co-hosts. Obviously, at the time, I hadn't been listening, so I didn't know what had occurred. Yeah. 
And so, like an ass, I send. Can I swear? Is that okay? Oh, no, we, we have no regulations. You can say whatever you want. It's Sorry. fine. I said ass. <laughs> um, so I Facebook messaged both of them, and I'm like, "You idiot! Which one of you idiots got the show?" <laughs> and it turns out that one of them had. So at that time, I had actually applied for the job because at the neither you know one of the hosts at the time didn't have any radio experience either. And sure. I love the area, and I love to talk, mm. and I really like the idea of taking complicated issues and distilling them down to simplistic things oh, yeah. um so i applied for the job and clearly um i didn't get it because they hired that <laughs> other guy but um and then as the show evolved um I, I became more and more interested and also because of my relationship so i had reached out to another radio station the drive where yeah. i had interviewed you guys <laughs> um, which is why this is so funny and I, I asked them if they would accept a really old intern yeah I was like maybe I'll tweet for them or I'll you know make their coffee and they were like would you be willing to host a public affairs show which was fantastic awesome. and I really enjoyed it because it really is taking what for me were these very like distinct skill sets and distinct interested interests and putting them into this one thing where you're like, oh, I can. Have, these things are useful. The ability to surf the web turns out, unlike algebra, to be useful. I know. So right? it worked out great. Oh, I think about and missing so, that. I yeah. missed that tech boom by like a couple of years. I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> on that smart enough. See, um, there you go. How do you think you've adjusted to talk of the town since you've been there? Does it feel? Do you feel good doing it every day? Well, it, it hasn't been very long. I think. Um, I I absolutely love it. I'm. Mm. I feel very privileged to have the opportunity. I think it's fantastic mm. to me. I've always believed ever since I moved here and believe this even before I moved here in the idea of service to a community. Yeah. And I, I love where I live. I love being here. Um, so many people, I think, think of New York down, you know, in the city versus here is like, so, you know, the city's so great. Why would you want to be here? This place thinks this place is awesome. I think the tide's turning on the city thing. I think yeah. people are realizing it's, it's a lot of, there's a lot more to it than the what yeah. is presented on TV. Yeah. It's not all Broad City and, and yeah. Larry David walking around. Yeah, it's not all Times Square. And the huh. part of it is though. Yeah, <laughs> it's still part, part of it's it. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm really I'm enjoying it. I really am. And on top of this, mm-hmm. uh, I was also informed because I, as again, I am a broadcast journalist. I do lots of research, as mm-hmm. you can see, oh, very professional. Uh, you're also doing a blog, a mom blog, super yeah, mom blog. Yeah, I've I've <laughs> blogged for a while. So yeah, <laughs> I have a yeah. Uh, did you read any of it? I have no children, <laughs> so my, my takes on this are very... Uh... It's, not really, it's not really necessarily about kids. I tend to be, among my friends, yeah. the person... I feel like when you're a mom, or it doesn't really matter if you're a mom or something mm-hmm. else, it's always helpful to when you're going through a crappy time yeah. to have somebody say, oh my God, I totally went through that too. Oh, it's yeah. fine. And that's kind of what it is. The title mm-hmm. of it is Realist Mom. And yes. it's basically like my experiences as a parent and you know whatever I'm doing where I don't try and present like a fake like oh my god everything's great my pantry's sure. totally alphabetized <laughs> and I have planned fully organic meals for yeah. my kids I'm like McDonald's was great and I just talk about kind of the challenges of being a sure. mom and being a wife and going through divorce and you know when, when your kids hate your gods and, you know <laughs> Um, have you? Uh, do you think it's changed your outlook of having kids on how you like perceive the news in the world? Like you have to draw a line between reporter and like parent, right? Oh. Sometimes in the way you like, because when you're talking about news on the radio, you have to give a biased, you know, definition, or you have to give I opinion the to opposite. people. Yeah, mm-hmm. but for like, it's still got to be tough to as a parent to be like, ah, it's terrible at like. I have mm-hmm. to share these horrible, <laughs> some of these horrible things in the world with like my children who you know. But that's I the think world about that they're. That, yeah. I think of. I mean, that's 
I'm very, and if you read the blog or anybody who knows me really yeah. well would tell you that I'm very upfront and yeah. very honest about things. And I'm the same way as a parent mm. to my children. Good. You know, we follow, I think my kids are pretty, my son is only 12. My girls are older. They're teenagers. It's a good age though now. Yeah. He's adults now. Yeah. He's, well, let me tell you something. You say that now, you know why? Because you don't have kids. Oh, no, you know what? My, my, <laughs> teenage girls are the worst. Oh, my niece. Oh, I have an 11 year old teenage niece. She's 11 mm-hmm. going on like 37. She mm-hmm. is, and she it already terrifies me because she lives out in Chicago, so I don't see my sister and their kids that much. Yep. So when I do see them, she's like a whole new human being every time. I'm like, oh <laughs> yeah. god, what happened? Like, where did all yeah. the pictures and holidays go? Like, you're, you're, it makes me sad. Mine are 15 and 16 going on Banshee. Oh, <laughs> Do you think it's been different raising kids in like the tech era now, where there is so much accessibility to? Like, oh my everything? god, it's... yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, anecdotally, yes, there's a tremendous, it's a tremendous amount of pressure on them. Mm. Um, And, you know, there's even a tremendous amount of research out there that shows Mm. that it is incredibly difficult for them because they don't have any downtime. So when I was in school, or maybe even when you were in school, if there was a kid who sat behind you who hated you in math, the worst he could do was like throw a pencil at me. (laughs) Now he can be tweeting at me and Facebooking me and Snapchatting me and and saying, you know, subtweeting me. Subtweeting. Wow, that's a good one. I I had to learn that for my kids. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. When I was on Twitter early, I was the king of the subtweet for a couple years until I realized how obvious it was, and I had yeah. to pull it back. Um, I got a couple quick things I want to okay. ask you that I like to... I'm trying to branch out into some funnier questions for our you audience. Go. So, uh, if you were a professional athlete or a professional wrestler, what would your intro or entrance music be? Oh, my God. It's a tough one. Well, now this is in my head, but probably <laughs> like that Rob Bass song. I'm not bass and I can't forget. Damn, I'm not internationally known. I love that That's song. That's pretty good. I sing that all the time to my husband. Um, I drive him crazy. So maybe this will be the same answer then to the next question. Give me something you are currently reading, watching on TV, or listening to in music. Oh, my God. Um, well, I'm always reading about three nonfiction books at a time. So I'm nice. reading a book about interviewing from NPR, a book about oh, nice. radio production, and um, another book. Um, that I can't even remember the name of, but all of all of them have to do with radio and interviewing and production. I was talking to our last guests last week about this. I'm still reading uh, the sequel to To Kill a Mockingbird. Are you really? It's still not good. I'm saying, yeah, <laughs> I've heard it's, it's bad. I have that problem with a lot of popular books. Like people yeah. say, "Oh my god, it's so good, you should read it." And I can't get through like two you know, blazes. I'll say though, a good popular book that came out in the last couple of years. I actually read the Stephen King book, Doctor Sleep. That's a very good popular book. Is it? Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I went through a Dr. Uh, Stephen King phase where I read like everything he wrote. And I think the last, I can't even remember the name of the last one I read, but then I couldn't sleep. I have a Stephen King tattoo. I showed it to him when I met him in New York City one time. (laughs) It made him very uncomfortable. I was going to say, he was either thrilled or horrified. horrified. (laughs) Um, Beth Coombs, when can we hear Talk of the Town? What time are you guys on? We're on Monday through Friday from 6 to 10 a.m. 100.7. It is an absolute pleasure to have you in the studio. I'm so glad you're here for our listeners. They can follow you on Twitter at The Realist Mom, and they can follow Talk of the Town at WUTQFM, both on Twitter. Thank you so much. It's a real, real pleasure. And we'll be back to the show in just a minute.
And thank you once again to the uber professional, very talented Beth Coombs. You can catch her at uh, News Director, co-host of Talk of the Town on WUTQ five days a week. There you go. Now, I got a question for you. Since you always end up, you're the one who does the interviews for the show and stuff like that. Is it different when you do an interview with somebody? Because, like, we're not really, like, radio broadcast personalities <laughs> per se out here. Mean? Is it, like, is it strange to you? Is it different when you go talk to somebody who, like, kind of uh, does what we do except for real and gets paid for it? It's it's funny. It's always an interesting thing because when they're more professional, the more professional you are, the more apt you are when you're talking to somebody who you consider a peer. I don't know. I just think he's a peer, really, obviously. But, you know, uh, you end up not talking about professionals. Like, we ended up getting off on tangents more often than right. not. Instead of being professional, but that's the thing. It's so easy to have a conversation with someone like this because you can have a conversation the about almost anything. The person has conversations anything. for a living. Conversational skills, right. Uh, yeah, no, it's it, it makes my life easier cool. in the long run. But uh, actually, one of the things we talked about, she went to uh, last week's I Love the 90s event at the Stanley. <laughs> so jealous. Uh, she said she had a great time. And, of course, featuring our uh, guest from two weeks ago, the one and only Apache Chief. Shout out to him. Oh, I thought you were going to say Coolio for a minute there, and I was going to be like, where did I miss that interview? Oh, uh, Coolio was right after the Hacksaw Jim Duggan interview. You didn't miss that oh, one? I must have missed it. I must have missed, missed Coolio. Uh, also, the same night as I Love the 90s, uh, the odd was sold out for a country music show, uh, country music star Chris Young. So there were two major sold-out events in Utica in one night. It's I, I saw a picture from the odd that night, and it was Oops, nuts. I didn't it. believe it. was. So I had to reread that it was from the odd it's crazy. I mean, I guess a lot of people go out for country. Did you ever notice that with a lot of these modern country acts, it's not like this country band, that country band. It's just like guy's name with backing band. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. like a very proud. And I understand oh, that. Yeah. I understand that's mostly because all the music is exactly the same because it's hot trash. But like, <laughs> you know. It's so, no Coolio. So you're, well, that's, that's my next one. But um, I feel like it's crazy that it's just like these guys make it and just have backing bands. And it's not about like, yeah, me and my four guys in my band. She's like, I'm Chris Young. Here I am. I have a country music band, uh, band name on the hopper in case I never needed one. Yeah, the Black Lodge Trio. We're gonna be like a, like who is we? The three of theoretically, us. Theoretically, are we the Black Lodge Trio? Do I play Do a guys... jug? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's a lot of that kind of country music. I'm into that. Oh, like, you're going way back. Yes, like you're going old like brother where I thought. Yeah, country uh, music. No, but I guess the question is, like, we we've always heard like, there's not a lot of great live music in Utica. That's like a thing we've heard in the last couple of weeks. In Which is conversation. insane. It's I, the craziest thing I've ever heard. What's like the best show you've ever seen locally, like in the city? Like the best live show you've ever the seen? The best live show I've ever seen in Utica. Yeah. Um, I feel like you had you almost you have to put different categories because yeah. you can't really count like if you there have been times where I've gone to like you know little places like bars or like mm -hmm. little shows at small places you know back in the day we were playing music and saw tons of great bands like that and that's not the same thing as going to see a band at the Stanley or the Odd or something mm -hmm. of that nature. Um, I would say the best. I have to think about that. For oh, a I got I one. Know. What's yours? Tom Jones. You saw Tom Jones where? Um, in Utica? Yeah, at the, the Stanley? Stanley. Yeah. I saw Tom Jones at the Stanley, and I had to stop myself from hurling my undergarments at him. Really? It was sexy. Oh, it was so sexy. I took my mother. It was the sexiest night. It's not unusual to take your mom to see Tom Jones. He's very, it's very not charming. unusual. It's it not is unusual. not unusual. Uh, I would say it was awesome. I would like to see Tom Jones. I appreciate oh talent. God. Tom Jones is a very talented singer. Like he's I bet you, if you watch him perform, beautiful. he's like a total pro. Right? Honestly, he's the same as he was back in when he was young and and very popular. He still does like the dance moves and the kicks and lots uh, of underpants went on stage uh, that night. I got two for you. Uh, one, 
Uh, I saw Lupe Fiasco at the Stanley yes. one time. Do you remember that? That was a Were good show. I remember he played that. live that band. That was really good, yeah. Uh, it was funny about that is he played a live band, but before him, the opening act had bailed out, so they didn't get an opening act. They got a breakdancing uh Those guys were doing breakdancing, like breakdancing and comedy as well. And that I've never fun. I've never they been were actually a lot of fun. It was I pretty bet cool. that was fun. I, I feel like the crowd wasn't really feeling it, though. Well, I, if I remember correctly, the crowd was the not... The crowd was small. There were very few people at that show. That was a good show, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other one, this is kind of random, I don't really like them anymore, but we went to see the Goo Goo Dolls at the Stanley when we were... Or the Odd when we were younger, and they actually killed it. I didn't go to that show. Me and Sadly went. But I believe it. Those guys are pros. They've been and, playing uh, for a long time. you know who opened for them was Lisa Loeb, and I fell <gasps> in love with her. Oh. She sang uh, You Say, or whatever it is, Stay. 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 Oh, what a good song. I think uh, I saw a band that I don't necessarily... I'm not a big jam band guy anyway. Um... Mm. But, you know, I appreciate the musicality and I can watch a band play. I was blown away when I saw Umphreys McGee at the brewery. Yeah. Like, those yeah. guys are awesome. Because they're, like, they're a jam band, but, like, it's not super, like, floaty and noodly like a lot of that stuff is. Like, they're still, like, playing and, like, have riffs. Umphreys McGee's amazing. Umphreys, they, they have a song called Higgins. It's about me. Is it? Yeah. I figured. <laughs> it's about me. Uh, I, I saw Of Montreal play at Hamilton College. You know what? I saw saw Montreal, the Walkman up there. I saw a bunch of amazing stuff. I saw I saw Girl Talk at either Hamilton College or Colgate. I can't remember which one. I think it was Hamilton College. They were playing out in the quad, like right when Girl Talk was getting really popular. They had him set up on like a bunch of long lunch tables, and he was pulling people on stage, and the whole thing collapsed. That was pretty tight. I saw Radiohead in a room with like five people at Steve's house back in like 97. You remember that? Nope. You don't remember that? Nope. That didn't happen? Okay. Never happened. Oh, sorry. Um, guys. Montreal had about 10 people there. Yeah. yeah well, awesome. That's what's crazy. There's a ton amazing. of bands. We used to see bands at like, you know, places like Melodic Revolution up in Clinton. <sighs> yeah. And yeah. other places where there were shows and bands that come through where I saw like legit bands. Like I remember when that band, uh, they were called The Format, played at oh. Melodic Revolution, the little house in Clinton. Yes. Those are the dudes who went on to make that band fun. fun. Like yeah. that dude, Nate, who's the biggest, you know, a huge, huge musician Nate in the Bruce, world now. Right? Yeah, they played in that little tiny house in Clinton where there was a venue inside of a house. The Format was amazing. We played some shows there. We played it's, a lot of shows there. Guys, I want to move on to the story that I heard this week, and it's we're going to play a little game afterwards. I'm so excited I about I got to share this with you. Okay, so here's a little backstory. For those of you, I got a shout out. Uh, it's a, I guess they're a news company. Uh, Gawker, you've all heard of Gawker on the internet. Gawker.com. Sam's boyfriends. My boyfriends. Uh, they, they, that's been people. So back in December 2015, Gawker created a Twitter robot, a fake Twitter robot, specifically designed to tweet Benito Mussolini quotes and, uh, and atone them to Donald Trump. So it would say a Mussolini quote uh, and accredit it to Donald Trump. With the, sole, with the sole purpose of getting Donald Trump to retweet one of them. It happened last week. Um, the tweet, and I'll share it with you, was, it's better to live one day as a lion than 100 years as a sheep. And it was, <laughs> and it's credited to a, uh, a Twitter name, Il Duce 2016. <laughs> so Trump retweeted this, not knowing it was a Mussolini quote, and then of course uh-huh. got rid of it. So Gawker put up a game called Who Said It, Donald Trump or Benito Mussolini. Oh, are we going to play? Gonna yeah, play? we're going to play. So we're right. going to play the game. Here we go. Don't you guys. let us see the answer. I'm not going to let you see the answer. So here's the quote. I am very, I aim very high, and then I just keep pushing and pushing and pushing to get what I'm after. Trump. Trump. Okay. Uh, correct. That was Donald Trump. Okay. Very good. Very good. Next. Let's go on to the next one. Um 
I believe in the military and military strength more strongly than anybody running by a factor of a billion. Mussolini. Trump. Ooh, I'm going with uh, I'm going with Trump on this one. Yeah. The answer is Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> boom. When you said factor of a billion, I was like, uh, I don't know. Um, okay. <laughs> the world is a horrible place. Lions kill for food, but people kill for sport. Donald Trump, Benito Mussolini. Mussolini. Trump. Mussolini. Stop. Oh, it's Trump. Oh, God. <laughs> Undefeated. It's a great game. All right. Okay, keep going. I'm, I'm getting that right, Next one. Unite to win, divide to conquer. Benito Mussolini or Donald Trump? Mussolini. Trump. Stop. I'm going with Trump as well. Oh, it's Trump. Oh, I love it. I am losing big time. Are all of these Trump? All right. We do not agree with... Trump. The, <laughs> all right, last one. All right. We do not argue with those who disagree with us. We destroy them. Donald Trump. 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 That was Mussolini. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> son of a bitch. Oh, shout out to Gawker. That's a fun game. Shout out to Mussolini. Oh, no, you can't say that. My grandmother spit on Mussolini's corpse. Oh, good for her. Yeah. Evelyn? Shout out to Grandma. No, no, Josephine. I was like, Jesus, Grandma Evelyn's no, no. a really sweet lady. <laughs> Josephine. <laughs> Josephine was out there in Calabria <laughs> spitting on Mussolini. Good for her. Uh, anyhow, good game. Uh, so just a reminder, folks, Super Tuesday's coming up. We can't let do this, the right thing. Do the right thing. We can't let this keep going on. We can't let it happen. This anymore. is turning out to be like a circus. It is a circus, isn't it? Uh, so let's move on to something a little more lighthearted for the last section. Uh, we're gonna do a special over under this week, but let's start off with something. Uh, me and Kevin were watching Netflix this week. Surprise, surprise. You like Netflix, do you not? Yeah. The, sure. Yeah. <laughs> we were watching. You're saying like uh, you like food, you like stuff. I like, like stuff, things. right? Um, you ever been breathing, huh? So we ended up watching a Hannibal Burris stand-up comedy on we Netflix. We did, and it was awesome. Yeah, it was very funny. Hannibal really Burris. Good. Hannibal Burris is very yeah. funny. I just saw the guy who does... Spe- uh, side note, I just saw the guy who does The Daily Show now. I just saw his stand-up. Trevor Noah? Yeah. He yeah. did a stand-up special, and I saw it on Comedy Central, and it was super brilliant. Yeah? Super brilliant. Gotta you gotta honest, check it. I still haven't watched one episode of the show. Me neither, but yeah. it was super brilliant. Um, well... You we know, got, to, to, real quick, you said The Daily Show, and I was thinking about it if we were just talking about what a hot mess this election season is. I really miss Jon Stewart right now. If Jon Stewart could be out here with all this stuff going on, what a what a tough time for him to leave us. I he he could have waited until 2017, you think. It's, only t- it's tough to wait a whole week to get an episode of John Oliver, you know? Well, John Oliver doesn't really do it, either. Yeah. He does a different... Like, John Oliver picks yeah. his takedown topic, but he doesn't do, like, the yeah. weekly news. All right, we're so we're getting off track. Netflix. Back to Netflix. So I got in a conversation with a good friend of the podcast last week. Um, we are the Signals uh, headman, John Howard. John. Uh, love he was, John Howard. Yeah, he's good people. And we were talking about Netflix, and he was telling me Bloodlines. That's another hot Netflix show that people should watch. I have yet to see watch. it. I heard it was really good. I never saw it. So we're going to run through a couple popular Netflix original shows, and we're going to play an overdue game of overrated, underrated. All right? So dramatic. I know. You guys ready? Yeah, I'm, I was born ready. All right. It comes back for its fourth season on March 4th, this weekend. That's all we're going to do this weekend. House of Cards. Overrated. Underrated. Kevin, you want to take this one first? Um, Underrated, just because... I'll say, yeah, underrated, because for as much as people talk about it, it still doesn't get talked about in the same level as shows that might be on networks and stuff like that. Uh, House of Cards is incredible, I think, kind of groundbreaking television for somebody who's interested in politics like me. I think it's really, really cool. Uh, Kevin Spacey is the best. Mrs. Underwood is my other girlfriend. I mm. love her and kind of hate myself for it. She seems awful. 
explains a lot to me. Uh, underrated house cards. Uh, I'm gonna say, I think the 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 hot answer is to say it's overrated. I feel like a lot of people think the show is overrated. Yeah, that's the smart answer. Uh, I do think the show sometimes doesn't focus on its best aspects. They sometimes get lost for a couple episodes. Season three for sure. Yeah, yeah. season three for sure. That being said, I think if you really want to talk about like quality, you know what I mean? I, you got to like Kevin Spacey too. I, I really do think not enough people gave the show a chance. Uh, I think it is underrated. Well, that I think, was, I, yeah. wasn't, wasn't House of Cards like the first real like yeah. huge critically acclaimed drama for Netflix? Yeah. I think that's a huge part of it because like I'll talk to people about House of Cards all the time and you know for as many people as we know who have Netflix like if I talk to you know people like you know would be like my parents age or like older I don't want to say older folks but I talk to older folks who just have cable who don't even like know what Netflix is yeah who would probably love House of Cards like House of Cards mm. what's that that's on Netflix what's that it sounds like a magic show you know what I mean <laughs> did you not watch House of Cards I've never seen it though no. I think House of Cards would be a larger cultural phenomenon if it was available on TV because I think a lot of target demographic for that show is probably older folks who aren't using Netflix as a primary means of consumption. I love Kevin Spacey. I will literally watch anything that he's in. I just haven't seen it yet, but I hear nothing but you positive would love things. It. Yeah. You would love it. I hear it nothing specifically. but positive things. I cannot yeah. think of her name who plays Claire Underwood. It's going to piss me off. Uh, Robin Wright. Robin Penn. Wright Penn. God, she is ultimate. No, no, oh, no, no more just Penn. Robin Wright. Robin Wright. That's right. No more Penn. Penn went back to Madonna. Uh, so let's move on. Next one. This is a very popular Netflix show that I watched one season of. I did enjoy it. Didn't keep watching it. Orange is the New Black. Overrated. Underrated. Higgins. Overrated. Yeah? I've never seen it. <laughs> you know what's funny? <laughs> but they talk, it's like, I feel like it's all that everyone wants for, to talk about. For as much as like, here's my thing. I'm going to say overrated and I've also never seen it because there's no way it's what you people make it out to be. No it's chance. a bunch of birds in orange suits. How hard could it be? Next. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm the only person who thinks it's underrated. I did watch the first season, and even though I didn't commit to a second season, it wasn't it wasn't for lack of quality. The show is actually very, very good. The first season was excellent. Uh, Jason Biggs is a little bit of a weird casting choice, but hey, you know, people got to work. Um, I do think that, you know, Netflix probably positions this to be their biggest show, right? Their biggest single original hit, I would say. It probably did the best. Uh if you've never watched it, it's definitely worth at least watching the first season to make your own decision. I think it's underrated. I'm just saying. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. This is the superhero connection because Marvel does a lot of stuff for oh, Netflix gross. now. Uh, Jessica Jones and Daredevil. Nev- two- what is this? These are two Netflix series. You're ne- not familiar with I've this? I've never heard of them. No, I've never seen is them. Is Ben Affleck in Daredevil? No. Uh, then I'm out. <laughs> Jessica Jones is pretty good. You should watch Jessica Jones because Kristen Ritter is very legit. What's Jessica Jones? Oh, she's a superhero, but she had a bad experience being a superhero, so she quits being a superhero and becomes a private eye. Stupid. Oh, no, it's good, man. It's very film noir It's good. It's good. It's better than True Detective Season 2. Dude. (laughs) Dude. Never seen that either. I was in the hospital for Friday night. That was better than True Detective Season Uh, 2. All right, so let's move on. Um, Netflix... Occasionally, will bring back shows that uh, were already in existence beforehand. Oh, Trailer no, Park no, Boys. No. Uh, you know, this is the one we're going to talk about. Let's talk about Arrested Development. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Fuller House. Oh, no, we can talk about Fuller House, too, if you want, but I was going to say... I don't. Rest- no. <laughs> we'll I, talk- d- I don't. I think it's weird. Right, well, give me your hot take about Fuller House before we move on, then. No, the, I just think it's weird. The hype and nostalgia feels weird. feels really forced. Yeah. To me, mm-hmm. like, it seems like people are really, like, frantically, manically going out of the room. Look, look, something from my childhood. Look, bring back the nostalgia feels forced. Hang on a second. Hang on. Here's where I'm going to say that Fuller House is underrated. Let me tell you why. 
Did have, you watch that? Yes. I haven't. Yes, I did. And I'll tell you what. How why. much time do you have on your hands? It was on upstairs at Mr. Maiden Utica's apartment. When Not I watched surprised. Anyway, look, if you liked Full House, did you want a good television show or did you want more Full House? Because oh. te- Full House is not a good television show. Whoa. If you go back to when you it was on, a if you go back to when Full House was on, it was a nostalgic television show. Even then, it was yeah. very like family and hugs, and we all learned a lesson at the end. Married with Children was out at that point in time. It didn't need to be that kind of show. I don't like this show is already nostalgic of a show that was nostalgic when it came. When out. I see, see, no, when I say that the nostalgia is forced, I don't mean the nostalgia contained within the television program. Yeah, the hype. I mean nostalgia. the hype, the way people are talking about it, and people are getting really gassed up. It, yeah. it just feels. The excitement for the show feels forced to me. Uh-huh. It feels more like a well-done marketing pitch than it does a genuine thing that people will actually care about for longer than the next two and a half weeks it takes them to binge it. Glad yeah. to see Kimmy Gibbler getting paychecks again, though. Good for her. Good for you, Kim. Hmm. Do you, boo? Here's another popular Kim on Netflix. The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, starring my girl, Erin uh, from The Office. I will fight you for her and vastly underrated. Ah, oh, she's great. Vastly um, underrated what's, what's the guy's name? Uh, you're, oh god, what's Tyrus? Tyrus. Yeah, he's not. He was an. Un- if you haven't watched the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, oh my god, it is the so funniest good. show about a seemingly terrible story that you could ever watch. Uh, it's a show about three women who are found in a bomb shelter against their will and then have to come out to the real world like twenty years later and get into society. It doesn't sound funny, but it's unreal. So funny. It's basically like... Uh, I like that show because it's really quick. Like, all the yeah. jokes yes. are really, really fast. Where yes. Like, you might miss something. Well, that then again, who's right? But who's behind it? Is that Your Tina girl. Tina, my girl T. It definitely feels like an NBC television show more than anything else. Exactly. It feels like it's happening down the street from 30 Rock. Like, yeah. same neighborhood. Yeah, it really does. Uh, Tyrus' song, what was it? Pinot Noir? Mm. I literally had that Pinot song Noir, stuck yeah. in my head for like six weeks. All right, let's close off on this one. This is the Netflix show that I'm just going to say it's underrated. If you didn't watch it... Go watch it now. Aziz Ansari's Master of None. If yeah. you are in our age range, go watch. If you're yeah. between, like, I guess, like, what? Like, if you're birth anybody, and death. If you're anybody, you should really watch yeah. it. But, yeah, it. We, we've talked about it on the show at length a couple times. Um, oh, man. Everybody should watch it. That show was great. I can't wait for another season of that. He's brilliantly funny. I saw him do stand-up once live. Mm-hmm. And it was like, literally, I was rolling on the ground. He was so funny. Mm-hmm. Future television is not on cable, folks. I'm just going to let you know right now. It's all going to fall apart. It's coming. Is I Narcos on that? Well, we didn't do over-under on Narcos because I feel like me and Kev could do like five minutes on Aaron, Narcos. Aaron, did you watch Narcos? Yeah. Me and, did you, is that a, no, you're making, you didn't a, like it? you're making a weird face. Did you, are you just saying you watched it? Because you've said you haven't watched a lot of shows so far. I see. I see what's That's going on. That's the truth. Okay. Uh, well, good work today, guys. Good work. Uh, Aaron, you've actually won the Academy Award for Best Podcast Performance today. So here's your award. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so here, do you want to have your acceptance oh my gosh. speech? Thank you, friends, family. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe this is happening to me. Um, this is a magical time for all people involved in the podcast. Uh, um, I just want to say thank you. And, um, all right, come on. You got to Okay. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, um, uh, on Thursday is uh, the I Heart Utica Day. So um, maybe you, you should go to that. And, and, and thank to my publicist and right. Katie Riley. And I love everybody. And bye. All right, all right, right. Good, great, great. Thanks a lot. We'll be back at you. Bye. Guys, they're pressing each other's out of cans and looking at the wall. Somebody please help me. No, no. Get out.